From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 68. This week's episode is brought to you by Braintree, Text Expander, and Hover. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello. Hello, we- Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello, Jason Snell. We are one week away from the Upgradies. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're not prepared. We are completely <laughs> unprepared for the upgradies. Oh, 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 no. But they are coming. So if you are listening to this and for some reason you still have not put in your suggestion for a category, your topic you would like to be given an upgradey award to, uh, make sure that you do that within the next couple of days and you want to use the hashtag AskUpgrade, the normal hashtag. And next week we will have a special episode of the show Um which will be the Upgrady Awards for 2015. Woo! But we do have some follow-up, some some regular follow-up, as yeah. always. Uh, we found a dashboard user. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of people uh, that claimed to be dashboard users after our discussion last week. Um, uh, but the most impressive... I think would would be the right word to use uh, is definitely <laughs> Joe Joe Sarcero uh, on Twitter. Uh, Joe uses dashboard for calendars, weather, stocks, TV schedules, a TV guide. He uses iStat, Apple Remote, desktop deliveries, and many many more. And there's a link in the show notes to a picture that Joe has sent over Twitter for us, it's so you can amazing. get an idea for yourself just to what extent. Joe continues to use Dashboard. You will see my reply to Joe, if you follow that link, where I asked him, is this serious? (laughs) Because this picture looks very much like it was taken from 2005. Like, it's so full of stuff. In a NASA launch center somewhere also, because it's got lots of Earths, um, lots of weathers. Mm -hmm. There's three globes. There's, by my count, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weathers. There's a test tube full of red liquid. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, I guess the modern equivalent of something like this would be uh, to have, I don't know, to have just apps or some different spaces or something. I mean, the nice thing about Dashboard um, is that you can put a whole bunch of stuff uh, right where you want it, and then it's just available with one one keystroke or one gesture. The modern um, equivalent of this is widgets on Android home screens. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's true, but on the, on the Mac, I think what you would do if you wanted to approximate this would be you'd have a bunch of apps that launched into their own space. Or a bunch of stuff in Notification Center. Yeah, that's true. Not- notification Center widgets. You uh, can do, get a lot of this stuff in there. Yeah, you can. But it's it's uh but he's got a workflow and it works for him and uh, dashboard essential. Well, th- there's a there's a reason they haven't killed it outright. They've just pushed it off to the side. It's sort of like it works, but it's not being updated. Yep. Um, I don't think anybody's making new dashboard widgets. You could, if you know some JavaScript, you could do it. But um, yeah. All right. Well, we hip tip our cap to Joe. I also I mentioned in passing a couple of other things that we could have chosen, and I actually heard from people who said, "Hey, don't make fun of that. I use that all the time. That's useful." And yeah, that was the point. Is we I am sure that we could mention almost anything in the uh, that comes with the OS, and there you know that that's why it's there. If somebody is using it, yeah. Somebody. The, the reason it. it's not been taken out yet, it's not an accident. So I was just forgotten about like someone in Apple was like, "Oh, dashboard's still there!" Like they heard that on our show last week, and it'll be gone in the next point update. 
Uh, and, it's because and, people are using this stuff. Apple knows that people are using this stuff. And, and also, I want to I want to make the point because I, I did hear, hear I get the sense from a couple of people that when I say that I think Apple wouldn't make Launchpad today, which is where this all started, there's a sense that I'm saying Launchpad is is stupid or the people who use it are stupid, and that's not true. I don't use Launchpad. I don't find it useful. I've got lots of apps. Launchpad is a complete disaster for me, but I'm not the user it was intended for. And um, I did hear from somebody who said that they love it because they are completely visual, that typing a word of an app is not what they want to do, and they can do a single keystroke or gesture. Um, the list comes up, and then they can point at the icon that's what mm-hmm. they want, and they can't put all those apps in their dock because then they would be too small. And I think that's, that is what that is designed for. Um, but what I'm, I'm not also, I'm not saying Apple should remove it. And if I did get that across, I, I don't, I, I didn't mean to, um, what I, what I'm saying is I don't think today's Apple would make Launchpad. I don't, I don't think today's Apple would make Launchpad or at least make it in the way that it was made because it feels to me like it was made by an Apple that was trying to make everything on the Mac look like iOS and that they've changed direction. So that's just that, – that was my point was um, today's Apple, if they, if they were trying to solve the same problem, would have, a, I think, a different solution. But the fact that it remains suggests to me that it's not painful – in a way that makes them want to demolish it or yeah, it's not, it, it, they don't want to demolish it. And it seems like they don't want to put in the effort to redo it to be something that is more in keeping with what their vision for uh, app launching is on the Mac, um, which honestly is, I think spotlight. I think all the work they put into spotlight in the last couple of releases to make app launching faster and to, you know, have it show immediately uh, to autocomplete to an app and have that box be, you know, dead center in the interface. All of these things suggest to me that they think that's the primary way that uh, this is a nice secondary way and they don't care enough to, to turn it into a new metaphor because it's already there and it's not a priority for them. And, and that, that's my, I'm not judging it based on that. Um, I, I just, I, I think that Apple itself today, the, my read on Apple's philosophy today is they wouldn't do it that way, but it's there and people use it and that's great. And dashboard still lives. Moving on, as Steve pointed out, uh, we were talking about the Apple logo on the iPad Pro still being in portrait and how this seemed kind of peculiar considering that the device is pretty much even you know, established as, from a marketing perspective, a landscape device now. Yeah. Um, and Steve mentioned that, and he's very true, the initial setup screen for iPads and iPhones remains portrait. I see lots yeah. of people, when they get their new iPad Pro, they tweet pictures of this, that they are, they have it in landscape, but the device forces them to put it into portrait to continue the setup process, basically, and to be able to read it anyway. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, it's a legacy of... I mean, this is similar to the Launchpad conversation. It's a legacy of the iPhone. Like, they got to do all the setup screens in portrait because that's how the iPhone... Prim- that's the primary orientation for the iPhone. Yeah, I mean, and, there's only one... You know, there's it's only the 6 Plus that has the landscape. And if you think, you know, there's still multiple devices that they're targeting, right? They're going all the way from the iPhone 4 all the way up to the new 6s right. you know, well, with, and even, with this setup screen. 
Even the six plus, though the primary orientation is portrait. Oh yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Like it's just the home screen you can rotate into landscape. The others, you're right, you can't even rotate the home screen into yeah. landscape. So so the OS that, is a is a portrait OS. It remains a portrait OS because even in on the six plus, it's it feels a little bit like an afterthought at times. Yeah, and the um, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier on uh, previous episodes about the iPad needing some love and some space to be its own mm-hmm. product that um i you know it doesn't matter in the end oh no i got a new ipad i have to hold it this way instead of this way to set it up no it it, it doesn't um but it does say something about apple's priorities cuz apple does sweat some of the details and you know could that be landscape could it be both could it be rotatable probably it's not because of the iPhone, really. Because if you have to pick one, you're going to pick that one because of the iPhone. Um, uh, you know, again, it's fine on on one level, but on another level, it it, it burns a little bit because I feel like it's a uh, just a little example of a larger problem with uh, with iPad software. I do feel like the more I use it, that it is just. It, I, there's some things I enjoy doing in, 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 in portrait on the iPad Pro. Um, sometimes I actually like writing in portrait on the iPad Pro. It reminds me, um, when I was in college, our page layout machines that we would use at the college newspaper were all, um, they were Mac SEs because I'm old, and uh, they were attached to radius full page displays, which were these, the idea was you could see the entire page <laughs> On this display, it was a huge uh, external monitor. Uh, well, by today's standards, it was tiny, but it was a but it was a, a portrait monitor, and which was kind of brilliant because if you're in the publishing industry, right, uh, newspapers and magazines and stuff are in portrait mode; they're not in landscape orientation. So, um, so I use my iPad Pro like that sometimes, and it gives me a flashback to those old full page display days. If I'm in a text editor, I can see more of my text, and usually you don't need the width in a text editor anyway. So unless I'm working with a split view or something like that, sometimes I will put the iPad Pro upright and and work on it that way. And then sometimes when I'm reading, I'll do that. Uh, but most of the time it's in it's in landscape. And uh, so it is kind of this funny thing where I feel like the iPad Pro wants to be a landscape device. And there are just these occasional design touches and software touches that, uh, that suggest that Apple is like, meh, we're comfortable with portrait. <laughs> Um, this isn't really a follow-up item. It was just something that I wanted to mention. Um, I have one of those uh, Sphero BB-8s. You know, the one that you can control with the iPhone and it rolls okay. around. You mean BB-8, the droid introduced in the new f- major motion picture, Star Wars colon The Force Awakens? Yes, that will be uh, occupying Mike at the movies at the end of this show. This is your uh, pre-warning. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not. There will be a spoiler horn before that section begins. I yes. will just not accept... Anybody complain about spoilers? I'm telling you now. We're like 45 minutes away, maybe, from that even beginning. Yep. You know now. Plenty of time to pull off to the side of the road and yep. turn off the podcast before we get there, which will be at the very end of the show. Exactly. So it's going to be, we've still got a lot of stuff to get through, but I just want to mention it now. <laughs> okay? Yep. Okay. That is your warning, everyone. Um, and the BB-8, so the BB-8 is like this, it's this fantastic thing that was developed by a company called Sphero, which Disney took a major stake in when they saw what they could do because it allowed them to develop the technology to create not only the actual Sphero that's in the, sorry, the actual BB-8 that's in the film, but mm-hmm. also to create this line of toys. So 
it works with these crazy motors inside of a ball that makes it roll around. It uses a bunch of cool magnets and stuff. Now, I bought this when it came out a couple of months ago, um, and I love it. It's a, it's a great little thing. It charges by induction charging in this little dock, and you can run it around, and it's really a lot of fun to play around with. But it updated today because all of the sounds that the toy would make came out of the companion iPhone app. You control it with the iPhone app, and the sounds come from the iPhone app, not from the the bb8 toy itself mm. and they um they updated it today uh, with actual movie realistic sounds of bb8 huh. so it had obviously before had just some placeholder sounds i wonder if they're the pl- placeholder sounds from the movie but they weren't the final movie sounds because that happens a lot where they've got like temp tracks that yeah that they it, put in the the toy previously didn't sound it doesn't sound anything like bb8 yeah like you know, there was it was really different, which is awesome, and it's now been updated, and it's also they've he's also got some uh, little different actions that mimic some of the actions that he made in the movie too, um, mm. which is awesome, and I just like that they did that, and I would just wanted to mention if you don't have one of these or there's a Star Wars nerd in your life that you think would like something like this, you should get them it because it is awesome. And I think there's a perception that this was going to be, and maybe it is, the hot toy for Christmas that people are thinking, well, you know, I didn't get them when they were first on sale. Um, they're available. I looked on Amazon the other day and um, and they were available for, for Amazon Prime shipping that day immediately before Christmas, the whole thing. And they may be in stores too, because I, yeah. I haven't been in a store because why would I do that to myself uh, in the last couple of weeks? But, um, but they're, they're around. So mm-hmm. don't, if you, if you thought that, that that would be a cool gift, but you've given up hope on it, you could actually check it out because yep. they, you may be able to find the BB-8. They were hard to get when they were released. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons they released it so early, they released it as part of that false Friday thing. Which so it gave people the time to get one. So you can still get them. And if you're interested or know somebody that is, you should because it's awesome. Yeah. They're very cool. I saw when I was at Twit doing um, new screensavers, I think, they uh, we had a guest who was, uh, they did a teardown of BB 8, the BB 8 toy. And it was pretty cool, like how they make it do what it does, like what where the chips are and where the magnets are and. You know, it was, it was, and the physics of how it works. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, the episode of the, right. of the new screensavers. Yeah. I have a, uh, another thing that's also not follow up, but this is the pre Christmas <laughs> show. And so, so we're, we're like, well, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to, I, I wanted to do follow out. So it is sort of follow up about the episode of uh, Top Four that uh, featured on this very podcast network, Real AFM, that featured uh, Mark, it's Marco and Tiff Arment and uh, their uh, top four things and uh, of whatever. <laughs> That's That should be the show description, top four things of whatever. Um, and there was a special episode, number nine, that also featured you mm-hmm. and your girlfriend, Adina, mm-hmm. uh, all, talking about Christmas songs. Yep. And I wanted to mention that because I I just finished listening to it, in fact, the other day. And it was, I'm so backed up on podcasts, it's a disaster. But I did listen to this and it, it was uh, it was delightful for many reasons, including the fact that it was set up so that you could all play the music and and respond to it. And the way, the way um, that was all set up and the way Marco edited it, it's great because, you know, you want to hear the music you're talking about, but it, and, and you do. But more than that... Um, 
you hear the people who are talking about the music react to it, which yep. is beautiful. Um, I also, uh, my other uh, things that I like about that episode is that Marco only has one selection and it's number four. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> that guy does not know how top four lists work, which is a problem for a show that is about top four lists. Uh, and, uh, and the, you know, the, and the selections were hilarious and some of them I agree. Uh, I actually agree with you completely about last Christmas by Wham. Good man. It's a great song. Great song. Great song. I am from the 80s, so I've got that going from yeah, That's a great the song. The Wham version is the only acceptable version. Yeah, well. I, I, agree. I agree. And that's amazing to say, because if there were a Michael Bublé version, you would think that you would like it. Is there a Michael Bublé version of that? There probably I is. I don't think there is. I haven't come across that. But I don't think it would be able to, even though as great, because that's the other thing I learned from that, is that basically Mike Hurley's musical uh, take on Christmas songs is, that's good. <laughs> But it could use more Michael Bublé. <laughs> He's just really good at this type of music. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the Michael Bublé song you should listen to that I have in my library is when the, uh, when uh, I think it was the first Spider-Man movie. It might have been the second uh, Spider-Man movie came out. They had Michael Bublé do a swinging version of the Spider-Man theme. I think I've heard that. It's so great. And I used to, I, I used to do... Um, we had uh, a guy I worked with had a, a, a basically a karaoke band. They were a live band without a singer, and you could uh, you could uh, pick a song and they would play it, and you got to sing it. And they they did uh, it's the one that was at Jim Dalrymple's party at WWDC. Mm-hmm. It's that band. Um, and the first time it was it was a long time ago, like ninety seven or something. First time we did a party with those guys, um, I said I'm not singing. Forget it. There's no way I'm singing. And they're like, Oh, come on, you have to. And I said, Okay, I'll make you a deal. If they know the theme from Spider Man. I'll sing. Well, guess what? On the last, the last item on the last page of their song list was the theme from Spider Man. So I did it. But I always dreamed of how it would be like sound really good as that slowed down kind of, kind of swing version of of the Spider Man song. Michael Bublé does that. It's brilliant. So oh, there man. you go. I wish I could have heard you heard you do that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> my Spider Man theme, I would say better than my uh, "Baby One More Time" by Britney Spears, which I. Which is the rock version, like the Fountains of Wayne version of that, which is also an excellent cover. People should seek out the uh, the Fountains of Wayne version of Baby One More Time. It's pretty great. But, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. If you do want to see Jason sing, there is a place that that happens. It will yes. be in the show notes. Episode yeah. 17 of It Might Get Personal. And mm-hmm. you sing Don't Dream It's Over, which I love. I've listened to that many times. Um, I also wanted to mention while we're talking about... Um, in respect that top four and Christmas, there is now a B-side, the first ever non-attached to a podcast episode, yes. Mike Requi- at the Movies. Required a revision of the Relay CMS. Yes. We don't need to get into that, but yes, it did. Uh, <laughs> there is now a B-side, and it's also on the incomparable feed of myself and Tiff Ament talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So yeah. if you want to get in the holiday spirit and that is a movie that you like, you should listen to that. If you've never seen that, um, then you should go and watch it and then join in with the Christmas Vacation episode. I'd never seen Christmas Vacation, so it was kind of perfect, and we we watched that, and, and it was a it's a very good Christmas-feeling movie. So there is your uh, follow-out for this week's episode of Upgrade. Should That's we nice. move on with our first sponsor of this week's show? Yeah, let's do it. 
Let's take a moment to thank Braintree Code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in all of those apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app as well. With excellent customer service, simple integrations, Braintree is there to help get you ready to receive your payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means that you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. And they can make payment experiences in any app that you choose seamless and magical as they do for many of your favorite apps. And you can now add that similar experience to your own app with their full stack payment solution. This includes support for all payment types that your customers might be looking for. This could include PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more with one single integration. It's with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection. They have their fantastic customer service to back it all up. And as I mentioned before, those fast payouts. To learn more and to get your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this week's episode of Upgrade. Thanks, Braintree. Neither a brain nor a tree, by the way. Indeed. Oh, I've got a, uh, I've got some exciting news, Mike. Oh, yeah? I sent, I sent you a package. Oh, it hasn't arrived yet. When did I, you I, send well, it? Yeah, I know. No, I sent it like Friday. It's going to be late. It'll you'll you'll get it eventually. Yeah, get I it might like get in, it for my birthday. Yeah, you'll get it in. When is your when's your birthday? January thirty first. Yeah, you'll probably get it by then. <laughs> uh, but I, I did I did send you. It's sort of uh, yes. It's got it's got some good stuff in it. It's all it's all uh, themed around our uh, our show and our sponsors. Actually, strangely, but uh, we'll talk about that when you when you receive it. Um, I did want to do a mini. Um, uh, a mini analog your your podcast with Casey List where you talk about more personal stuff which mm-hmm. um is a very interesting podcast i wanted to ask uh about uh, christmas stuff since this is this is uh the christmas uh christmas week we're only a few days away um and i was just curious and this we don't have to take a lot of time with this but i was curious what do you do you have any particular like uh christmas traditions that you do and uh what are your plans you know not not in detail you don't need to tell me where you're gonna where you're gonna be mike but uh sort of like what you know what what are you looking forward to like for actually what you do like during christmas week and christmas eve and christmas day uh christmas eve i'm actually going to see star wars again um i'm taking my brother yeah because he just got back from australia so he hadn't yet seen it so i booked tickets for the two of us to go on christmas eve we're going to uh, an imax because i haven't seen it in imax so we're going to go do that together then we'll have dinner with my dad on christmas eve we always do that's when we exchange presents with my dad um this year is slightly different we're quite a small family um especially over christmas it's just like a it's basically it's me my brother's uh, his family, his wife and kids, um, and it'd be my mum and my nan. That's usually it for Christmas. But this year is going to be my first Christmas without children in the house on Christmas Day uh, because my brother is having his first family Christmas at home where he lives down on the oh. coast. So they're having that and then coming to us on Boxing Day, which is the 26th, for those of you that don't know. Mm. Um, so we're, it's actually just going to be me, my old, my younger brother, who's 21, my grandma and my mum and it's going to be very different we're going to wake up late 
You know, like it's going to be uh-huh. a very different feeling Christmas. So I'm very interested to see how that is. Um, and then I guess for traditions wise, I guess we just had the little things that we do in England, which are different. Right. So um, we have I don't know about you, but we have dinner at lunchtime. We have a Christmas dinner at lunchtime. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we have things like Christmas crackers. Are you familiar with Christmas crackers, Jason? Yeah, I I am, but people out there are are we we do those at uh, on New Year's actually. We try to buy some crackers at the this there's a store that sells them that's like the international things store. <laughs> um and we get them we can get them there and uh we try to do that like a, a New Year's New Year's Eve we do those, but not on not on Christmas. I I don't think well we did that. We actually did get those and and do those a couple years ago just for fun. But I know that's an English tradition. They're little little uh, bundles that you you pull open and they pop and they've got like a little toy or a little surprise inside. Yeah, and a little hat. So we do them and, at oh, dinner. And a crown. Yeah, and then we all wear the the crowns, the hats uh, as we eat dinner. Um, yeah, that is that thing. is pretty great. I have a picture of my family uh from a few years ago and we all have uh little, you know, pink and red crowns on our <laughs> paper crowns on our heads. It's adorable. And then we tend to repeat Christmas dinner on Boxing Day. That's not something that happens everywhere, but but we have like another one on Boxing Day. Oh, interesting. With so, uh, the, the same stuff or or yeah, all the, the same food. I mean, the, the turkey is yes, you know, the leftover. That's what we do with our leftover oh, yeah. turkey. Basically, we eat it on Boxing Day as a full on second Christmas. Second dinner. Christmas. That's neat. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and my grandma does the cooking because she's the best, and it's just so good. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons that we have christmas at her house because she loves to entertain she loves to cook for us and Mm. it's always good so that's 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 basically my christmas probably this year's christmas will include more alcohol than usual um because there's no children around so (laughs) that will probably be the theme of my christmas i had already figured that one out mike (laughs) (laughs) just spelling it out for everyone actually i was talking to uh, one of my friends who's a doctor who fan and they were talking about doctor who is on at like five o'clock this year it's very early um and because the tv christmas tv is apparently a thing in britain too here yeah. the networks basically abandoned television they, no. they were like we're reruns or maybe sports but you know that they really there's kind of nothing whereas in britain it's a huge thing that in the evening of christmas night that there there are things on 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 television but also we were talking so doctor who does a christmas special this is going to be like the 11th or the 12th or something it's kind of crazy that, that they do one every year now but um uh, but when when I, when I was talking to this person they mentioned that one thing that americans also don't understand about uh christmas in the uk is that uh people are drunk when they're watching tv in the evening that is also a thing that happens yeah and i think maybe more than it does in america yeah we're we're a boozy nation yeah what about you lots guys? of ca- lots of candy too lots of candy per oh capita. yeah lots All of the chocolate, chocolate. Oh, so many yeah. selection boxes of chocolate mm-hmm um, it's yeah. going to be uh, selection yeah. boxes. That sounds like something that would be in the in a user interface. It's basically lots. <laughs> but, you know, like uh, you can get like oh, it's a, a sampler box. Yeah, a oh, sampler. Yeah. There you go. We call them selection boxes. Yeah, I know. It's just that was. I, I haven't, don't think I've heard that term before, but I know exactly what you mean. We have like the uh, famously, it's the Whitman sampler uh, in California uh, and in the West Coast. We have C's candy that has the. They have the sampler boxes. So yes, absolutely. Selection boxes. So much. Uh, for me, uh, it's similar to your your brother, actually. Um, this year, I I told my uh, my mother and uh, the other, we told everybody in our family, we weren't going to go anywhere this year for Thanksgiving or Christmas. We just decided, for Christmas especially, every year for the last, I don't know, 
seven, eight years, maybe even longer, we have gone to uh, gone somewhere else for Christmas, generally to Arizona, where my mom lives. Um, and uh, that was that was fine. Going to grandma and grandpa's house for Christmas was a fun thing to do when my kids were little. But there is something so dispiriting about having a tree. Some years we didn't even have a tree here. Um, and some years that was so sad that we're like, okay, we'll get a tree and we would get a tree right after Thanksgiving. And then on the 20th or 22nd or whenever we would have to leave to drive all the way to Arizona, which takes two days, by the way, which is another reason we didn't want to do it. Um, you got to take the tree down because you're not going to be back for more than a week. So we would take the tree down and put it outside. And it was the saddest thing to take the tree and dismantle it before Christmas. Uh, and 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 I know that's like a kind of a funny thing, but it's like, no, I want to have Christmas. I want to have my tree. I want to be in my house on Christmas Day. Um, and my mom is coming uh, this afternoon, actually. She's coming and uh, she's going to stay with us for the week. And that's great. But we didn't want to we didn't want to do it uh, somewhere else this year. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I assume we will replay. Lauren and I actually have to figure out our game plan here. But I assume we're going to replay our uh, Thanksgiving in some ways with uh the dishes. I'm not sure if we're going to do a turkey. We may actually do a steak instead, um, like a big flank steak. But um, we, we have to we have to put that together today. Basically, we're gonna we're gonna do our shopping list and and, and plan it all out. And what are the sides and all that. And then, but otherwise, it's quite similar. That you know, on, on the morning, now that the kids are older, they get up a little bit later. But we'll do the presents thing in the on Christmas morning, and then um, and then there'll be uh, uh, a dinner, but it will be midday or maybe two in the afternoon something like that um and uh yeah it's it's fun it's fun but we're doing it here i'm looking forward to having it be at my house and being able to i think that's one of the great things about about christmas uh being able especially as an adult is being able to have that uh nesting kind of feeling um of of christmas and it's at your place and i i've enjoyed the kind of christmas uh, uh, christmas trip thing for a while but it's time to go back to to home so christmas at home this year you saying about turkey? Mm. I can't imagine Christmas without turkey because it's our only turkey di- dinner. You know, uh, we don't yeah, have we Thanksgiving. Do, yeah, we 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 do it all on Thanksgiving, um, and it's I make a I, <laughs> I make a good turkey. I have to say, I could do it again, and we might we might go that way. I use a, a brine. Uh, I brine it. There's a Alton Brown, the the TV uh, food guy. Um, has a recipe for that that he did on his show Good Eats that I that I love and it's uh you know you you make this big briny liquid in a five gallon plastic bucket from the Home Depot and you and you and you stick the turkey in it and it sits there overnight in the garage out in the corner and then in the morning you you know you pull it out and pat it down and uh and uh put stuff in it and like aromatics and stuff not not the actual stuffing and uh it's great it's juicy and and tasty and all of those things. So we might do that, but it is a lot of hassle and nobody seems to like the dark meat. And so I feel like it's kind of wasted. Although the leftovers are pretty great. So this is the internal debate is it would be much easier to to marinate a flank steak and just do it that way. And everybody would enjoy it. And it would be great. My kids like that better than Turkey, but we may just, uh, we may, we may end up with a Turkey anyway. That's fine. I feel like you're talking yourself into it. No, I go back and forth on it. I, I see all the pros and cons, and I, I this is this is the nice thing about having a 
having a marriage is that, you know, I don't have to make the call. We're going to, we'll talk it through and see, you know, and if Lauren's inclined and I'm inclined, then, then we'll go that direction. There's also the question of like, can we get one? You know, I'm sure we can, but we should probably plan that. So yeah, yeah it's fun. It, you know, traditions are fun and, and uh, I think they can become a problem when you become uh, chained to them and uh, you don't want to do them, but you do them because you feel like they're necessary or that you'll be judged if you don't do them, but if you enjoy them and enjoy the rhythm of it, I think that people in general, it's like in human nature to, um, to like patterns and repetition and that can lead to bad habits and things like that too, but it can also be kind of fun and, and, uh, the whole Christmas, uh, experience from the, the decorations and the music and the family and the, the meals and things like that. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of comforting and also is, uh, cyclical it's there's something about that that this is the the end of one year and the beginning of the next and yeah. it's a you can mark time uh, the passage of time with it so uh, i like i love christmas it's great so we have in our document here we have a <laughs> an area of our document which we have now started to refer to as the cryogenic chamber of topics yeah. Yes, it's the graveyard. It's the it's the or the evergreen. We used to call it mm-hmm. uh, in the magazine business. It's evergreen, meaning just put it over there. It never goes out of date. It just sits there. Eventually, it does actually go out of date. But you, you don't need to do it this week because it could go on forever. And we got a lot of stuff in there. We could yep. we could do like the wheel of uh, of fortune from the cryogenic chamber. Oh, there that is so much fun. There is so much stuff in there. Home networks, comic books. Yep. We should talk about comic books sometime. That would be fun. That's family why it's sharing, in the cryogenic chamber, Jason. <laughs> family sharing is in there, and that was one where we we were just we felt like we were being so negative for yeah. a while that it's I like we need to give that. some we need to give some space to that because that's yeah. going to be a a that's going to be a rant. We'll just invite Joe Steele back. <laughs> we'll just and we'll just tear it apart because family family sharing and sharing Apple IDs and and the way Apple's got Apple ID stuff set up is total mess. So that's in there. Uh, YouTube Red and Google Podcasts and stuff is in. In there we have mm-hmm. uh, set preparing for a new os was in there from when we were when we were talking about upgrading to uh, el capitan home automation is in there i've written about that a lot um so many things to talk about uh so uh so are we pulling some things out of the deep freeze today is that's what's happening we're pulling one thing out all right and that's amazon prime air okay was this topic delivered from the cryo chamber by drone? Yeah, that's how it, that's how it came to me today. All they, right, they dropped nice. it into the document via a little uh, Google Docs drone. You put a little placemat down, and, and then the drone drops the topic in. It's just wherever nice. you put your cursor. That's where they drop it. So this is, for anybody that doesn't know, Amazon Prime Air is a kind of future initiative from Amazon. It's something that they are talking about that they want to do. They're developing um, the technology that they need. But one of the main reasons that Prime Air exists as a thing right now is my belief, and what is, I think, quite evident, is that uh, Amazon are trying to use the excitement behind something like this to lobby um, the agencies that make the rules for drones and stuff like that. It's the FAA in America, right? Um, a lot of this stuff exists as a way to try and lobby the decision makers and the lawmakers into helping helping them make the decision. That will mean that Amazon can start delivering packages via drone flight. Was that, that fair to say? That is how it, uh, how it seems to me. Yeah, I think so. This is about... Yeah, it's about demonstrating this technically and politically and trying to build some kind of consumer understanding 
about how it might, you know, how do we picture this? How might it work? And why would that be uh, good for everybody? So they created a video about this many months ago um, where they just kind of give, gave a demonstration for what this type of thing could look like. And more recently, and within the last month or two, they have used their brand new company spokesman, Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> in all of Amazon's ads now, um, to kind of show an update video. Um, and they show a little bit more of, of a finalized drone and what that could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they show uh, some non-computer animation, like it looks like computer animation, but they say that this is the, the thing really flying. Um, and give a little bit more detail into how this type of thing could work because i remember originally people saying like oh if these drones people you're they're gonna deliver things outside your home and you're just people are just gonna steal the stuff and they they showed some more real world scenarios into how something like this might work so kind of the overall view of this is amazon expects this to be like a 30 minute delivery type thing that's how they're kind of dealing with this. so they have their prime now i think it's called which is one hour delivery in certain areas so they're expecting Prime Air to do things within 30 minutes. So like the idea being, you would be at home and you would realize you need something. You go on Amazon, you see that it's available for Prime Air and you ship it. You know, So you, you, you choose what you want, you select it, it probably costs an exorbitant amount of money. And then you go out to like your backyard and you place down this little mat, um, which has got the Amazon logo on it. And what I expect is occurring here is that the computer system inside of the drone is looking for that map because that's where it lands, that's where it drops it off. So like what it seems like you would do this for, you are at home and you need something. Yeah. So it comes and delivers it to you at home. Like that's Uh how it works. Um, And I think that this is a very interesting thing. Um, And I'm kind of wanted us to talk about like why we would want this if we would want this. So how do you feel about this kind of idea, Jason? Do you like the idea of having the magic trackpad that you need delivered to you by drone? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, how often is it that we need something delivered to us immediately? I mean, the video is cute. It's the girl who's lost a shoe. And I, and I think, well, she just lost it unless, they, unless the dog ate it. And then they cut to the dog and the dog ate it. So that, and it's a cute English bulldog. It's adorable. Um, and, and so, yeah, but how often does that happen? And you probably have a shoe store that you could go to. But yeah, oh, no, no, we can't go outside. Uh, that, that's crazy. So, so it sounds like a good idea on very specific like scenarios, but I don't know how. Then again, wouldn't it be great if you realized you needed a thing and you could have a little thing bring it to you? But, you know, the, the, other people are trying this with Uber and, you know, there are other services in cities that will do this. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I It's a great video. It seems really, it, it makes it seem more practical than perhaps it actually is. I like the putting the mat down is really smart. It makes it feel like uh, that, that extra bit of user interaction, I think, makes it feel more like a... Uh, I don't know, more understandable and controllable in a strange way. The the idea that, that like it's not like, oh, the robot doesn't just appear at your door. You go outside and throw a mat down and then the thing lands because it sees where, where you're telling it to land. It's like a little temporary helipad on your front lawn. Um, I don't know. I, it's You got to be near an Amazon distribution center. What's the range of these things? Uh, what's the markup and cost? I Actually, the 
airspace issue is one of the things that concerns me uh, the least, in in a sense, because this does seem like kind of unused airspace, and I do believe that the technology is going to be good enough that these devices are going to be able to navigate around and be smart about not crashing into people's houses or killing birds or whatever. But I don't know. It's a weird. It's really weird, um, and it's really weird that they're trying this because is this something that has huge potential? Is Amazon going to have you know thousands of drones flying around? cities all over the world yeah i don't know i don't think we're ever going to get to a situation where it's like constant like this just 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 like the sky is just littered with drones for the reason of like why do you know like you brought this up earlier like how often you're going to need this but i think that that's inbuilt in the reason for existing like this exists for the thing that you need right now and that doesn't happen very often Right, that you right. can't wait a day for prime delivery. Well, and there are there are you know Amazon's also experimenting with day same day delivery in certain cities, mm-hmm. right? And and you pay an extra fee, but you get somebody brings it to your house that day, whether it's a delivery traditional delivery company that they're working with, or whether it's a you know some person in a van <laughs> comes to your house and says, "I got your box here." Um, you can assume that Amazon won't doesn't want that to exist. They want. Because uh, my my assumption looking at this is Amazon are trying to replace Prime Now, the same day delivery, with Prime Now. Right. Because the only reason Prime Now exists is because you're close to a distribution center, which means a drone could bring it, unless it's a big thing. So my right. assumption would be that they don't want uh, delivery drivers bringing video games to people's houses anymore on the same day. They want it taken by a drone because that is so much cheaper. Right. That that's my that's my assumption in looking at this. In the long run, it's cheaper because you can just uh, build it out of hardware, and you can program the software, and then they all, you know, you don't have to pay a human. And yeah, I I can see it. I can see it. I mean, I'm I don't think this is unreasonable. I I actually, I mean, you always start to think about your own your own uh, situation and think, well, I don't have an Amazon distribution fact uh, warehouse anywhere near me. And I know what they're trying to do is they're also trying to build these things in cities where they've got a limited supply of the most popular items. And mm-hmm. that's one of the other ways that they do this. It's, you know, I don't know. I, I definitely thought about it. And there are those moments where I thought, oh, well, that would be great. But in most cases, I can just go to the store and buy things, right? Uh, maybe I can't get the exact thing, but there's going to still be some luck about whether the exact thing is at that Amazon warehouse. Anyway, like I can go to the shoe store and buy my kid some new soccer shoes if the dog eats one of the shoes, which is the scenario in the Jeremy Clarkson video. So um, I actually started to think that this would be really cool in areas that had more kind of geographic issues. Um, and, and there are different kinds of geographic issues. Like I could see this being valuable in cities that have horrible traffic problems that where you, you know, you really can't get to wherever you need to go. You don't, but, but especially in places where there aren't things near you. The challenge there is that the, the drone's got to fly to you and it's got a limited range. So, you know, somebody out in the countryside who doesn't have access to something is a drone going to fly 30 miles to them or something like that maybe but that seems like in the short run this is going to be for people in pretty densely populated areas yeah. where you know again you're 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 investing all of this effort in uh, a service to keep to save people from having to to drive or walk or take the bus down the street to get uh, something at the shop 
So I was thinking, like, you know, I live in a relatively suburban area, um, and there aren't really any stores where I can get the majority of things that I would buy from Amazon. Um, hmm. You know, like, there aren't... I mean, there's, like, a couple of food stores, and that's about it where I live. And if I want to get to anywhere where I could buy things I would buy on Amazon, like computer things, games, uh, Blu-rays, that type of stuff, right? Books, the things yeah, you tend I to see buy that. on Amazon. Think, yeah. I would need to get on public transport because I don't drive. And right. then I'm looking at a probably, you know, 30 minute each way type scenario to get to somewhere where it would have where I could be pretty confident it has the stuff that I want. So for me, I would use something like this. And then the other part of it is so the, the Prime Now service doesn't deliver to my area currently. They they tend to do that um, within the big cities because they do what you just mentioned. They have these places that have um, the most popular items and they do it in the big cities because where the most people are, they'll get the best coverage that way. But if you think about it, if you take it out far enough, the place where it's probably cheapest for Amazon to, to build and operate new uh, distribution centers is in places like where I live, where it's cheap, where real estate is cheaper. So in the future, oh. I could have a um, Amazon warehouse not too far from me because, like, there are there are a bunch of factories and warehouses like about another twenty minutes down the road from where I live. So they could build one there and then could could ship things to me. I also see stuff like this as a you know if Amazon ever wanted it, they could open you know stores in these distribution centers and, and stuff like that. Like you know I can imagine a Best Buy or something. Because they, I, I saw somewhere in Seattle they just opened their first retail location, right? Which is really interesting that they operate in both extremes of this. But so uh, you know, for me, Amazon Prime Air seems like something I would really like because I could, I, I use Prime, I love Prime, I love the next day delivery. But there are certain things like I just bought Fallout Four um, on on PlayStation because it was it was like thirty pounds on Amazon, which is a pretty good discount. It's like twenty five percent off already. And I had bought it, and it came to me uh, today. I ordered it yesterday. But there was a, you know, when, when thinking about this topic, I was like, when I bought it, it was because I wanted it. If I could have paid two or three pounds, four pounds extra, and had it in thirty minutes, I would have done that. <laughs> because I can imagine that's the kind of price it would be on top for a Prime right. member, right? Because you you're already getting discounted shipping. You pay a little bit extra, and you get it delivered to you by drone. And it's the whole thing is it's like impulse buys, right? These drones are so are small, and but what tends to be small is impulse buys. The things that you buy, like you, there's a movie that you want, and you buy it, you want it on Blu-ray, so you just buy it and have the drone bring it to you in thirty minutes, or a video game, or like a a new mouse because or something. You know, let's say that my keyboard exploded. Not that it could do that, but I'm sure in the future they'll be nuclear powered, so they will. Mm-hmm. Um, my keyboard explodes, and I'm halfway through writing something. I need a keyboard, and the drone could bring it to me in 30 minutes. Otherwise, it's going to be a 90 minute trip. You know, there are things that I, where I'm like, yeah, I I want this. Like, this is something that would I would find useful. And I know it's lazy, but it's convenience, and and I think that laziness and convenience, whilst they are kind of two sides of the same coin in most instances, in most instances, I think. I can see the difference between them. And it's just because I am at home now. I work from home. I don't work in the city anymore like I used Mm -hmm. to, where I could pick things up on the way home. Like for me, because I don't have a car, these things become more tricky. And especially in London and in England, less people of my age are buying and owning cars because it's too expensive. So in that future, I again, I understand more why something like drone delivery starts to make sense. 
I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I have that moment of like, you can't wait till tomorrow to play Fallout 4. But that's an impulse buy. I mean, and I did, and I happily waited. But if I could have had it delivered to me by drone in 30 minutes, <laughs> I would have done, because why not? Well, there you go. I think that I think that is a great slogan for this service. Because why not? Because why not? And I know that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, listen to him. He's so entitled. But this is my generation, ladies and gentlemen, because we were brought up in the internet age. And, for example, that's why you can buy Fallout 4 on the PlayStation Store and download it. But my internet connection can't cope with that. It can't download a a, a 30 gigabyte game. So I have to buy physical discs. So things that should be digital and are digital, I can't access that way. So I have to buy the physical copies, which makes it less of an impulse buy. Mm. You see, like it's my generation is the generation of things being instant. And if you think about your kids, you know, like I at least still have the the hang up and the, like the hangover of the nineties and the early two thousands. But your kids, they're in this world way more than me or you are right? Mm-hmm. Everything is just a, a click of a button and it's there. And you think about what, that. that's why stuff like, I believe what stuff like this exists because and will exist because for the things that you need that you can't download, you want them quickly because like everything else. So this is essentially, these are downloads for physical items. Yeah, that's how I look at it because it's 30 minutes. That's a download wait time, right? <laughs> and then it arrives. Job right. done. Yeah, I just uh, so I come back to the practicality of it, which is can they can they do short of a revolution where like all the stores close and everything is brought to you by robots, mm-hmm. which you know could happen. You know, it's it's not I, I seriously it, it's not beyond the realm that I could uh, like I can shop by the web right now at my local Safeway store. I can check with the boxes of all the things that I want, and somebody will bring it to me, and we never do it that way. But we could do That's it. That's how me and Adina shop. We we have our, all of our groceries delivered to us. Yeah, we can do that. I know a lot of people in New York that, that they do it that way too because it's impractical to go. Uh, and there, also there are places in New York where you shop uh, at the store and at the end of the process you pay and they deliver it to you later. When I was 17, <laughs> that was my job, Jason. Uh, I to deliver the a, groceries. Yeah, I well, I was always like the the assistant guy because I don't have a driving license. But it was mm. I was one of the guys that was in a van. It, it was in a, a supermarket called Waitrose, which is a oh, fancy yeah, supermarket, mm-hmm. and uh, that people would come in, they would do their shopping, um, and then they would say, "I want this to be delivered." Someone would come along, bag it, and they would book in a time, and then me and the the delivery guy would jump in a van and take around all the deliveries the next day. It was. Right. I loved that job, Jason. Aside <laughs> from this, it's my favorite job I ever had. I loved that wow. job. It was so great because it was so simple, right? We just used to just jump in the van. There was no stresses, you know? There was no, like, corporate crap I had to deal with, like, in my later jobs. The The worst thing that could happen was we drop a bottle of wine, which we did once, and it was horrific. It was actually six <laughs> bottles of wine. Um, and it was horrible. Uh, but aside from that, you know, no stresses. But yeah, 
um, that's I've I totally cut off your point, but yeah, that that is something that happens a lot. People have their groceries yeah. delivered to them now. Yeah, and well, again, it's like for us, it's because we can't go to the store, put them in the car, and drive them home. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. Like I was saying, I know I know people in New York who do that, and that's the reason is that they can't they can go to the store, but they can't take a shopping trip worth of stuff home with them because they would have to carry it themselves, and they've got kids or whatever, and it's just it's not practical. So instead, they they do that, and it makes it, it actually makes sense. So that's I guess that's what I'm saying is I can I can extend that out and say you know i could do that too other people could do that the storefronts could become less important as the delivery you could have large items delivered by self-driving car you could have small items delivered by little drones it's possible it's entirely possible i think where it breaks down for me is i'm not sure i believe that the range and the the availability will be beyond sort of like urban centers and as somebody grew up out in the middle of nowhere i actually think like longer range delivery would be more exciting because there are people who have access to nothing. Yeah, I think and that that is a... Again, this is already the future. That just feels like future times two, right? I feel like it's definitely possible that that could be the case, that this would be a way for Amazon to service everyone. <laughs> that sounded a little threatening. It did. <laughs> I, I added that in. But like that is it though, right? Like that is yeah. the that is obviously like the you know the evil maniacal goal of this. This puts yeah. Amazon everywhere, and like why would if you if you are Jeff Bezos, that's what you do as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because these things will be cheaper to run and operate than putting people in vans. Well, and I think the argument would be more efficient than rather than people in vans. You've got people loading uh, drones. Yeah, well, and people are still loading the vans though that aren't the same people that drive the vans. Yeah, but I, I, I'm just saying you, you, you're, you're reducing the inefficiency. I, the people are part of the inefficiency there, but I think it's also just the the time, you know, the driving and all of that. And uh, the idea is that then you've got everybody working back at the warehouse, and they don't have to go out. They just stay at the warehouse, and they're, you know, and they work them to death <laughs> at the warehouse instead. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting world we live in. But uh, it's a great video. People should watch it. Yeah, there was one last point on this. Like the reason I wanted to talk about this anyway, which is because uh, I watched a MythBusters episode yesterday, mm. um, in which they tested uh, how deadly drones are. And basically, what they did was they took two drones, one that was like a one that anyone can buy, like a toy one, and one that was used for commercial use. Like um, it wasn't. They had their own custom built drone for camera work but this is one that you could buy right that people can buy and attach cameras to and it's used uh frequently and they created like a neck analog with veins in it and stuff right um and were flying the drones into this neck (laughs) and both of the drones that you can buy did no damage like they were built so that the, the the rudders would not slice anyone basically um, was the thinking but then they used their own one that they built and it had like carbon fiber blades and it just destroyed uh the neck of this th- that they created so you don't want to run into the mythbusters drone but basically the idea of this was saying that as long as people stick to the current kind of ways of doing things and safety then these things are fine and probably stuff like amazon would use would be built to not um to not be able to kind of cut somebody open if it crashed into them. 
but oh. it was just it was just interesting to me that it is a, it, that is part of it though like that is part of the risk i guess is that oh yeah that, people are dangerous well and and it's it's part of the political risk i think even even more so is this fear of of uh death from the skies right mm-hmm. <laughs> that people are like oh no it's gonna crash into us it's gonna ruin everything the, the robot drones are here to kill us all and so being able to say no it's fine you know it's okay don't worry about it it's it's all it's all good that's good but that's that's drones there's nothing anybody like us can do about it unless we work for the faa they can do something about it otherwise you're gonna get little packages delivered to your home by some kind of flying robot before we go to ask upgrade, uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to mention something that I, I I intended to be in follow up and I and I I, uh, I didn't think of it at the time, and it's just a fun it's just a fun little thing which is I sent um, I sent our friend uh, Merlin Mann a little uh, something in the mail just a, a thank you a little Christmas card kind of thing from uh, the incomparable and uh, and. Without going into any of the details, I just wanted to point out, he sent me back a handwritten thank you note in an iMessage. Genius. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that a great idea? That that the he wrote with, uh, is it iPad Pro and Apple Pencil, perhaps? I don't even know, but yeah, whatever, right? It, it was a handwritten thank you note that just appeared in my iMessage. And I tapped it, and it opened Clever. up, and it was full screen, and it was a handwritten note. Um and truly we live in a world of miracles this is all i am saying is it was just such a clever fusing of it is a the personal delightful personal touch of a handwritten thank you note but just done on an ipad and then and then sent via iMessage it just uh it was more immediate but it was also just had that kind of uh, really nice personal feeling it was it was uh it was really cute so yeah it's good for um, the holidays coming up right you want to do your th- thank you notes that's right and a little uh little uh, pencil related uh follow up too so just throwing it out there. Nice life hack there, Merlin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All the great pencils. All the great life hacks as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what he's that's what he's known for. Mm-hmm. This week's episode is also brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. If you ever need to find yourself, or if you ever do find yourself in a situation where you're typing things frequently, you know, different phrases, sentences, words, even whole paragraphs. You need Text Expander in your life. Text Expander is there to help save you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations, a couple of characters that you decide into frequently used texts or even pictures. You can even create, which I do, and, and I send like I send a lot of email, right, as part of my job, and I send a lot of email out to uh, our sponsors and to things like that. And also, you know, I guess we have some kind of what you would call customer support type things that we do with listeners. They have issues with things, and I am able to create and have done many different snippets of text expander some just fill in a couple of words like i have text expander snippets for all of our show names because i type them quite frequently or i have text expander snippets for whole sentences of things that i might use but where it gets most powerful for me is in the little forms that you can create so i have i can type a couple of characters in this little code that i've created and it will pop up this form where i can choose for some drop downs what i want it to say so there might be a couple of words or a couple of phrases that are different or when i fill in our sponsor information in our cms 
podcast. I just type in the, the name of the sponsor and it pops up a little thing and I can say, oh, this is upgrade. So choose the upgrade code and I can manually enter in any discounts and things like that if it's needed for that for that week. It is super, super simple and really just saves me a ton of time. And when I was talking about sending emails as well, it helps improve your communication, especially if you're in like a customer support type thing or even just for the work that you do. If you just want to make sure that you are sticking to the same responses each time, you can create these stock replies really easily and Text Expander will just keep that nice and sorted for you. I really love Text Expander. It's on iOS as well, where I have my snippets sync with a bunch of my favorite apps and they have their own keyboard as well for iOS. So you can access them in any app that you like. Text Expander 5 costs $44.95 US and upgrades are available for $19.95 for existing users. But Text Expander 5 is free to anybody who purchased any version of Text Expander on or after January 1st, 2015. You can find out more about Text Expander 5 by visiting smilesoftware.com slash upgrade. Please note that Text Expander 5 requires Yosemite and is ready for El Capitan. And Text Expander for iOS is available from the App Store for iPhone and iPad. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. Time for some Ask Upgrade, Jason. Lasers. Bartek would like to know how do you upgrade apps on the Apple TV? Asphalt 8 is telling him he needs to update, but he can't work out how. Jason, help him. I can't. I don't know. I, I thought I, they're supposed to automatically update, right? Aren't they? I believe so. I've never done any updates, but I've had the little blue dots appear. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's meant to automatically update. I would say, so I have to go back to the old standbys in, in a situation like this, which is, um, you know, you ter- reboot it. <laughs> I never thought it, we would have an ask upgrade where we were going to tell people to to turn it off and turn it on again. But that's what yeah, I would no. suggest as well. <laughs> yeah, reboot it and see if that gets it back on the track of, of looking for updates. Uh, you could look in the app store to see if there is an update button, update men- submenu, but I don't know. I have never done that. I've just, I'm really going with the flow with the Apple TV. I'm, le- I'm seeing what it does when I do nothing to it other than use it. And uh, it's worked so far. So I don't know, but I don't have Asphalt 8, so I can't say. Sorry. I don't Failure. Know Ask either. upgrade failure. Boom. That's the laser's wah, turning off. Wah, wah. Yeah, the laser's <laughs> misfired and killed a guy. It's oh, sad. no. Will yeah. would like to know. He wants to know if it's time to join the year of Tichi and to get an iPad Air 2 now or cross fingers and wait for an Air 3. And the, the, the caveat to this, which I think makes it the most important in my where the way that I'm going to give my answer, is Will has said that this would be his first iPad. Uh, well, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you what your answer is going to be, so why don't you go first? I would say to wait. I believe there will be an Air 3 at some point in 2016, and well, considering certainly. this is your first iPad, you're already okay with living without one. It's been out for five years at this point. Huh. I would suggest waiting until the new one comes out so you can take advantage of whatever features it brings. Okay. Uh, I... um. I think I replied to Will and told him to wait uh, or to not wait because there's Uh-oh. always a new iPad <laughs> and the, it's pretty a powerful device as it is. And it, there probably won't want be one until next fall. There is a rumor that there, there might be an iPad Air 3 in the spring. 
And, you know, Apple keeps doing crazy stuff that is not like what Apple used to do. So if, that, if that's the case, if, if there's a new Apple approach here, which is you refresh sort of like the high end of your line in the, in the fall, and then you do some sort of like backfilling in the spring with, let's say, a smaller iPhone, because there are more rumors about that now, and uh, something like an iPad Air 3, uh, maybe... Maybe uh, yeah. I currently uh, believe in the small iPhone, iPad Air three rumor of um, April, March, April, and, along and with the, Apple Watch too. I think we're going to get an event that has those three products uh, lumped in together because I don't think any of them are exciting enough for their own event. Um, and if you put them together, it might bring a bit more kind of pizzazz to it. Plus, you attach the word iPhone to any announcement, um, and it gets a little bit more buzz. So even though it's maybe not as exciting an iPhone, it might help put the spotlight on on these products as well that's my thinking that that's basically the same thinking that i had for when the ipad pro would be released which was the event with the uh, iphone so yeah uh we'll see uh i think it's i i think it's intriguing this idea and i think the reason apple might do this because that's the question it's like well apple does everything in the fall why might they do this the answer is because apple does everything in the fall and maybe this is a good kind of off you know off cycle like six months later cycle to to release some other stuff plus it's worth remembering that this this apple the idea of apple does everything in the fall has only been around for a couple of years they always had the music event which was around that time of the year yeah that's true you know like yeah apple does do everything in the fall but it's only been a couple of years that they've done that well, for the iPhone, right, was in the fall for all but the first one, and the iPad's been in the fall for all but the first one. Um, Is that true? I thought yeah. that they did it in April for a quite a while. I don't think. Well, maybe they did because I, I, I have memories. No, you're right. They did it in the summer for several years before they migrated it to the fall. That's true. You're right. Now we're going to get people who tweet at us because they heard me say that, immediately paused it, <laughs> tweeted at me that I was wrong, <laughs> and then press play again and heard that you immediately corrected me. Because that's how podcasts work on in, the internet. In this instance, uh, I would like you to still send that tweet to Jason. because it, No! Having don't worked, do it! I get the pleasure of working with Mr. Jason Snell. It's the first four iPhones were in June, and then they relocated. So since 2011, every iPhone has come out in the fall. But what about the iPad? I think that was that was around March, April time. The first one was. Hmm. Well, anyway, as I was saying, I, had the, sec- I get the pleasure of working with Mr. Jason Snell. And uh, one uh. of the great things about working with Jason is his great knowledge um, and experience <laughs> of these products. So every time I get the, the uh, time where this is rare, where I am able to be correct... Uh, I take great pleasure in it because I can't believe the the luck that I have not only to work with Jason but to to momentarily at least know something that that he doesn't know. I am so old, Mike, that it all runs together to me now. Um, I'm not accepting that. The iPad, the story, the, the the if you recall, the story with the iPad is that when they did the third generation, which was the first Retina model, they very quickly turned around and did a much more uh, capable fourth generation that mm-hmm. they called the new iPad, right? That whole yep. line of the third and fourth generation where it was like, we're not going to even explain what this product is. Um, and that was the moment that they shipped, right. shifted from spring to fall because they did that quick turnaround with the fourth generation and left that third generation Retina iPad kind of hanging out there. Was we that had when they gave it, that was when they gave it lightning, wasn't it? Because it was the only device with 30 pin then, I think. <sighs> yeah, I think that's right too. 
Although uh, now I don't, I, you know, you've shaken me to my foundations, Mike. <laughs> I, I don't, I, know I don't even know what's anymore. true anymore. I'm going to PC World. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy town. But but that was when it happened. So so basically, they've been for the last yeah. You're right. Like three three years for the uh, for the iPad and four years for the. Uh, for the iPhone, they've been in the fall, but they could do anything. I think it makes sense because it's the holiday quarter, but it's absolutely true that there's too much going on there. Not just like too much for consumers or too much for us to cover it, but it's too much for Apple to have the cycles all hit on, in the fall. And it's bad product rollout to have every single product you do drop at once because then the, you lose track. And they, they did a good job of rolling the products out over an extended period this fall. But there's too much. There's too much in Apple's, even the iOS product line. So having that stuff, uh, having more of that stuff come out in the spring makes sense. So if that is true, that rumor is it could be true and that would be interesting. So that leads me to be less inclined to tell will to dive in now if there are some some interesting rumors that there might be an ipad air 3 sooner rather than later so that's so i i kind of have to that rumor makes me gives me pause and makes me revise my thoughts i don't know will i don't know Hashtag if Mike was giving right. you an answer here um but th- wait i think i think wait is yeah? what we're saying okay we'll go with that and uh mr tony sindelar uh this is tony uh would like to know and he has a, this is an interesting conundrum, Jason. I'm interested in what you think of this. So Tony says, I struggle uh, at Christmas with non-e-media items like books and music increasingly feeling like a bad gift. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, hi, Tony. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't know. I think books feel like a good gift to me. I think books feel, feel pretty good. That even people who are are dedicated ebook readers, I think a nice a nice book is a gift. I don't know. I I think plus there's so many books that are not as great digitally, comic book collections or uh, books for kids, uh, big you know history books or novels or things with pictures in them. And I don't know. I I think they're okay. Giving music like a CD, yeah, yeah. I I think you could argue that that's not as that's not as good. But that, I think music as a gift has often been bad. Uh, because music tastes are so personal that it's very difficult to buy music for somebody. You know, all of us, I imagine at some point, I certainly had that moment where my parents got me a cassette tape for Christmas that was some band that I knew a song of, and they thought this was like the best thing. They're like, hey, that's a band that I know you were aware of, and I bought you a, their album on a cassette tape. Yeah. And uh, and it was just a terrible gift that I remember all this time later because I didn't care and I didn't want it. And it wasn't a thing that I... It was so personal to me that buying me uh, music uh, was not something I wanted to do. So I think media is problematic in general, but I think books are great gifts. I think I think there are so many books and there's so many different things that even, even with... Uh, even with uh, people reading on Kindles and on their phones and things like that, uh, you know, I, I feel I feel pretty good about books as a gift. Personally. Yeah, movies are better than music. I think if you're going to buy, I agree. Uh, physical things, but I, I agree. Books, books, if there's enough meaning to them as well, a book can be nice. Um, but stuff like music and, you know. Uh, I don't. You, you can't. There isn't anything like an app, right? I guess don't buy anyone software on a CD. I guess is, is the thing, right? <laughs> don't do that. Uh, aside from that, I think I think it's still pretty good as long as there's meaning in it. You know, I think it will work. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of your two final warnings for Star Wars spoilers. Um, we are about to take a break. Once we come back, 
we are going to be talking about The Force Awakens, and we will play a spoiler horn immediately, and then it's going to be straight up spoiler town. Like uh, everything I'm going to be talking about, and we will be talking about, will be laden with spoilers. So we yes. will, we will be uh, addressing the Force Awakens on the other side of this sponsor break. This show is brought to you by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. When it comes to buying a domain name, it's the first place that I think of, and it should be the first place that you do too. It's super easy to search for domains at Hover.com. You just enter the phrase that you're looking for or some keywords, and they will show you what is available. They have all of the domain options that you'd expect, like .com, .co, .me, and all of the crazy new ones too. In fact, Hover have over 200 TLDs, these are the top-level domains, the domain options that you can pick from, and they have great prices as well. So, for example, their .com domains start at $12.99, and this also includes Whois Privacy for free with all of Hover's domains that support Whois Privacy because Hover believe that your private information should be kept private. They don't make it so you people can look up that information for you. They just enable it. You have to even go in and say you don't want it. Not only is it free, they tick it for you by default, which is a a thing that I love. They don't make it difficult for you to keep your information private. Hover have fantastic customer support. This is something that they believe in greatly. They have no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support. They have uh, fantastic email support that I really love. So you can uh, send Hover an email and you'll get a great email back from them with all of the help that you're going to need. I've used this in, in the past. They also have a bunch of guides as well in case you just want to read up something or check something when maybe setting some uh, domain options or you're, you're up in the domain admin panel and you need a bit of assistance you can go to read one of their guides as well hover have their valet service where they will transfer all of your domains from another provider to hover for free they just take all of that hassle away from you they have so much more like volume discounts custom email addresses storage and forwarding and just so much more so you want to head on over to hover.com and try them out use the code upgradies that's u-p-g-r-a-d-i-e-s at <laughs> checkout and you will get 10 percent off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for this show and relay fm so that is code upgradies thank you so much to hover for their support of this week's show and now spoilers for star wars colon the force awakens <laughs> All right. Okay. So here we are. We're yep. in the Force Awakens time now. This is Mike the only at the place. Movies. It's time for Mike at the movies. Is that Mike a new is an English guy. Oh, he watches some movies. Is this Flophouse like? No, it's not as good as that. <laughs> and that is bad. So, and now here's oh, my yeah, no, like at the movies. I haven't even said... Starring Mike Hurley! Okay, I'm done. ...what I think of this movie anywhere publicly. Oh. Because I'm going to start by talking about spoilers. Now, you had a great discussion about spoilers on the episode of Incomparable that came out this weekend, which was fantastic, and it's basically the episode of The Incomparable that you were destined to make, right? Like, a new Star Wars. I don't think we ever expected that. Nope. Um, and it's it was amazing. It perfect. And the end of the episode is about spoilers, and it's just you and John because I think everybody else has gone to bed at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't ready yet, no, so we talked ready. for another half hour. Yeah. And John spoke about spoilers, and there is a key thing about spoilers that I think I think that John believes this, and and CGP Grey planted this nugget of information in my brain, and it's ruined me ever since. 
knowing if somebody thinks a movie is good is, in my opinion, a spoiler. Because it sets yeah. expectations. It's not a plot spoiler, but it definitely changes your anticipation for the thing that you're about to consume. Especially this movie. Because if there are people like you or John, and I had known that you thought the movie was good before I saw it, my expectations may have been set too high. Right? Hmm. Because I may have thought, well, it's going to be it's going to be perfect. It's going to be the best movie ever made. You know, like that, that's, that's how I take these sorts of things. I like to know absolutely nothing. It, yeah, but I also, at the same time, didn't specifically do anything in the run-up to protect myself. I watched the trailers, but that was it. I didn't go and search anything. Um, I was pretty, uh, pretty sure I wasn't going to see anything I didn't want to because I wasn't looking for it, right? Um, and then also what I did to to prevent, because I do see that, you know, it's, my main concern was knowing what people think about this movie when it came out. That was what I thought was the biggest risk of spoiling for me, because mm. I didn't want to know what people thought about it. I wanted to go in clean. So I implemented a bunch of mute filters the day before the movie came out. Um, so I wouldn't see uh, anybody's opinions. And then I also made sure I saw it as early as I could, which was like 11 a.m. on Thursday because it came out a day early here. I could have seen a midnight show on Wednesday, but I didn't want to do that. Um, so I saw it like the first showing at my local cinema on Thursday morning. So I was able to to see the movie unspoiled. Um, this was something that I was gloating about to you and to many people that I was yep. going to see this movie first. Oh yeah, That actually turned out to be a terrible thing. <laughs> because I, had, then... I, I didn't have anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. However, luckily, there was a couple of people, uh, the main person being friend of the show, Mr. James Thompson, who'd seen a midnight show. And so I uh... realized a couple of hours afterwards, James has seen it, so I was talking to him. But I couldn't talk to anyone, for like any of you guys, for like 24 hours. <laughs> like No one had seen the movie. Um, and then basically it was like I was getting ready to go to sleep at like 1.30 a.m. or something that night. And that was when everyone was going to see it, which I thought was kind of hilarious. So it's like everyone's going to be talking about it when I'm asleep. Um, yeah. So do you – I mean I can sum up my feelings about this movie in one word. Um, and it was the – I think no, it may be even it. better than that. And, and this was okay. the, the way that I felt about this, the moment that I left the cinema. And and I have I actually think that my feelings about this movie in this regard are stronger than anybody else. I think The Force Awakens was perfect. Oh, wow. That's the one word that I keep coming back to. Like, no movie is without, like, interesting plot foibles and stuff like that. And and this this movie has them, but that's not what I'm really referring to. Like this movie, to me, was the exact movie I wanted it to be in every single way, and that's what makes it perfect. I loved this movie so much; it's easily my favorite Star Wars movie. Wow! Because, all right, Jason, I'm gonna this this is probably gonna upset a lot of people. I really, really love Star Wars like many nerds but But that's outrageous there are lots of moments in the original trilogy that are slow to me especially the first especially New Hope Uh, I actually enjoy A New Hope the least of the three Star Wars movies huh 
Um, my favorite is uh, my favorite is Empire, uh, then Jedi. When I was growing up, it was always uh, Jedi was always my favorite because I love the opening the Ewoks, scene. Yeah. No, the not the Ewoks actually. Kids it love was, the Ewoks. No, it was it was badass Luke. That was my favorite right. thing. Okay, um, I loved that scene. Uh, I always did as a kid. Yep, but yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, also also my favorite, obviously. Yep, but yep. there are I don't know the, the the it's basically just I think it's just a a a thing of the times and. Maybe. Oh yeah, it actually reminds me of how people talk about the original Star Trek now, and it's been long enough now from the from 1977 that people can say the same thing about the original Star Wars movies. It's, it's, it, it is from they're from another era, and people who who didn't live through that era don't have the nostalgia aspect of it, and are not used to the um, the way entertainment was made mm-hmm. back then as much. And I think I just like well. a little bit more action, you know. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just me. That's just my tastes. And this movie delivers on that. Like it is a fantastic action movie. There are so many action set pieces in it. It's kind of stunning. Mm-hmm. And we could argue maybe maybe one too many, but um, it, it it's there are lots of them. I, having watched it a second time, I was struck by how the uh, how it just keeps rolling. And that there's mm-hmm. just like this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. I, I, somebody, uh, I saw a troll on Twitter basically say, "Oh, it's so boring, and the pace is really bad." And I'm like, "You didn't. You came into that movie wanting to hate it because there's yeah. no. I just you know, watched a different movie, buddy. Like you, you could argue <laughs> that the pace is unrelenting and that there's too much, but you can't argue that there isn't enough pace because it's all pace. It's it it rolls from scene to scene. There are barely there there is there in the middle. In fact, there's a moment that the first time I saw it, I thought it sagged a little bit." Uh, and it, watching it a second time, I decided that it doesn't sag in the middle, but it is a moment where there isn't wall-to-wall action for a few pace. minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a movie at that point. Uh, and how I think dare that, they? that that pace is part of what makes me think this movie was so amazing. And the reason, the reason that I say that this movie is perfect is because of how I felt watching it. I have never seen a movie that I have been so emotionally involved in. I, from the very first moment, from the 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 sound hitting right, the like the the orchestra blaring up, I was in. I was just so in. Uh, I cried so much during this movie. Um, I obviously laughed a lot, but like everybody did. But I don't know if everybody else would cry. Oh boy, did I cry a lot! Like. I had like those kind of every time every time an original trilogy person popped up I had the, I kind of had the lump in my throat like the the happy feeling you know but when when Han dies I was like I was sobbing like I was gone mm. man <laughs> I couldn't deal with it because I I know that many people saw this like I wasn't completely sold on the idea that he was going to be killed in this movie like I see it now. It's like, of course he was. This means he never has to do another Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um. But I didn't really think of it that way going into this. Um. And in that, when that scene began, whilst it looked like he was gonna get killed, I think the, the idea of just how much it looked like he was gonna go off that bridge made me think that he might not. Mm. Right. It was like this looks so obvious that he's gonna go off this bridge because there's no rail on it. Um. That he's that he'll be okay, and the scene, like they, I think that they set up quite nicely the idea of of, of Kylo Ren 
turning away from from the dark side. Like when earlier in the movie, when he seems to be quite conflicted, and this is when he's on his own, right? So it's it is a real emotion he's feeling. He feels the conflict. So I I don't know. Like when he was just when he was then saying it on the bridge, and he threw the mask down. I was like, or the helmet. I was like, Yeah. yeah, this could happen. Like the movie is so. This this new band of heroes is so young. Maybe he could join them, and you know. But yeah, so when he, yeah, when when that lightsaber went through him, man, that got me, and yeah. I I kind of didn't stop crying for a while, like for quite oh. some time. I think I was still crying uh, when uh, Leia and Ray see each other, and then they start hugging, and that made me go again. I was I was all in on this movie, um, and I think that's why. It felt so perfect to me. Like I left the cinema and I was just like, I was just gobsmacked. I just couldn't believe what I'd seen. Uh, it was just superb because I loved every part of it. Like I loved all of the characters. They're all so fantastic, and there was just so many things about this movie that speak to who I am now and like the way that I look at the world. Like Ray and Finn as like the main characters of this movie. Like that is so much about like what I think the world should be now, like strong women and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And the all of this just led to this, just what I think is just this incredible piece of work that, that Abrams has, has created. I just love this movie. I really love this movie. It's uh, I think, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's a good movie. Um, I wouldn't say perfect. I think there, I, I have some issues with it, but you know, uh, nothing is so perfect that it can't be criticized as somebody we know might say. I have some issues, but they, it, it is overwhelmed by, it is overwhelmed by a feeling of, of, of joy in watching it. And also a feeling if I take one step back, what I say is, um, that some of the criticism that I've seen of it is that it's sort of a stealth remake of the original Star Wars, and there's it, certainly some truth to that. But as I said on The Incomparable, I feel like this movie needed to do two jobs. It needed to hold the hands of the fans and say it's going to be okay, yeah. Star Wars yep. is back, and it needed to set a direction for the future. And those are the two things that it accomplished. And mm-hmm. people who say, well, there's too much fan service, it's like, no, no, there's just enough fan service. If I was making this movie, I would have done that too like i would have done that because the idea is exactly that to show that guys it's okay like look this is star wars see we can still make those ones it doesn't have to be like the other ones we can still make this star wars movie you you could argue that that there has not been a good slash real star wars movie since 1983 right if you think of it in those terms if you think about the special editions and you think about the prequels this is that moment of saying look remember the things you love the here are the people you loved uh here here is the attitude and the approach to this that you loved and there's new people who you're, you're gonna love um and we're gonna put it all together in a big ball and it's gonna be exciting about the past and also exciting about the future and a movie that's just one or the other, I think, would have been less successful. 
it would have been really risky to do a movie that just turned its back entirely on the past. Um, and, and, and the huge asset from a business standpoint of Star Wars is that it's got this mass of people who love it because of the past. Uh, but a movie that was entirely about the past would also, I think, be a failure. But I don't come out of that. I don't come out of The Force Awakens thinking, uh, isn't Star Wars good? I like those old movies. I came out of The Force Awakens thinking and talking with my family, including my kids who, are, who really loved it. My kids loved it. I think that also says something. We came out of the movie talking about after we got far enough away from the people who were waiting in the line for the next showing because we didn't want to spoil them. And yeah. there were people, I actually saw a guy stick his, because we were coming out the doors on the side of the theater and, the, and into the line of the next showing. Um, and there was actually a guy with his fingers in his ears. And I was like, oh, dude, good job. But I feel bad for you, but good job. Um, but once we got about, you know, uh, 50 feet, 100 feet away, uh, we were all talking about what happens next, right? Not, mm-hmm. not, not, oh, hey, look at Han and Leia and Luke. Isn't that great? But like, what happens next? W- who is Rey? What is her story? How did she get where she was? Now, what does she do now that she meets Luke? W- what's going to happen with, with, uh, with Ben, with Kylo Ren? What, what's, where's, what's he going on to next? Uh, you know, uh, Poe and BB 8 are back with Leia. What, what, what happens there? And it was, that was what it was all about. And that, I think, is the the success story of this movie from from the standpoint of like calculations creatively of what you need to to do to get how do you uh get the engine back on of a of a franchise like this and and they did it they did it in a movie that is and you know it's as entertaining the second time as the first i watched it twice in about a 14 hour period um and uh it was not a problem to watch it a second time yeah i have my next two showings booked <laughs> so I'm going I, on Christmas Eve. I'm taking my brother, and then uh, me and Adina are going to see it on uh, New Year's Day. She did see the movie today. Actually, she took her mom. She's she's back home uh, in Romania right now. Hmm. And Adina is a relatively new Star Wars viewer. Um, she actually saw the the original trilogy this year for the first time, and she told me she thought the film was perfect as well. So my thinking about this is. The people that are like super into Star Wars, like really into Star Wars, maybe see a lot more of the faults than other people. Like, I love the movies, but I'm not like really deep in it, you know? Well, I'm, I am I said this on the Incomparable, I think. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I am, I am a Star Wars fan in the sense of, I was um, six years old when Star Wars came out. And I was 12 years old when uh, Return of the Jedi came out. And every single kid who was alive during that period was completely surrounded by and a part of Star Wars because it was every it was one of the defining things. But, you know, I I read a Star Wars book when I was in elementary school and I read a Star Wars book when they came out with those supposedly authorized and now decanonized books about what happened afterward. Uh, I read one of those and then, but that's it. I, I was always a Star Trek fan. Uh, later I was a Dr. Who fan, but Star Wars has just sort of been like, I like it. It's great. Um, I'm, I'll go see all the movies, but it was never part of my like fan identity or anything. Um, so it's kind of I'm a Star Wars fan like people like everybody in the world is a Star Wars fan which if you look at how many people saw this movie I'm that kind of Star Wars fan like everyone <laughs> and uh and you know yeah my criticisms about it are 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 maybe informed by that a little bit that that it's like the 
the Starkiller base thing. It's like, do we really want to go back to the Death Star thing again, Death Star analog again? I thought that was maybe not necessary. And I think some of the, the space science stuff is so ridiculous that they would have been better off having it be even less sciencey and 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 more unexplained. Like we suck the 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 energy out of the sun until it goes dark, and then we fire our beam across the galaxy, and everybody can see it, and everybody can see the planets exploding. And as I said on the incomparable, that's not how space works. It doesn't work like that. I would have actually rather it been more uh, vague, but you know these are minor points, and it didn't it didn't stop me from enjoying the movie. Like there there's similar points I have about the J.J. Abrams uh, first uh, Star Trek movie, but it didn't stop me from liking it no. a lot. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the characters. Um, Ray is perfect uh, as a as a hero, a hero, right? A heroine. She's just brilliant, right? She smashes yep. down gender stereotypes. She doesn't take any crap from anyone. Like, I love the whole like wouldn't let Finn hold her hand. Like, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep taking my hand? Well, like, it, even better is when there's that explosion. He's knocked flat and sort of semi unconscious. And when he wakes up, he looks at her and says, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah," because <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. he's, he's playing his role, right? Mm-hmm. He's playing his gender role of I've got to hold her hand and make sure she's okay and protect her. And she's fine. He's the one who's getting the crap. He's beating beaten out of him. He is having a very bad day, right? Yeah, that's I I you know take my hat off the writing because when you think about something like this on the face of it the way that you would i think the way that most people would show her strength is to not even address any of those things right you're just like we don't even think about this this is the world right everyone's strong male or female but it actually makes a bigger impact when you do have those moments where the guy tries to play the stereotypical role and is shot down I think that is what makes her look so so strong because of the comparison. Like if they would have just had her do all of those things and they didn't have those interactions, I don't think it would have hit home as hard. Um, well, so the first order is obviously uh, has a sexist culture because he was gr- raised in a stormtrooper education facility or whatever, and mm-hmm. he believes that these are the proper the proper gender roles. But but well, Ray, even though his boss is female, yeah, even even so. Even so, that's that. This is true. It's interesting. Even Ray, Ray is also interesting as an inversion of Luke because she is also um, kind of a loner. I mean, he's got his aunt and uncle, but he always sort of feels it removed from them a little bit. And he's he's um, although she's like alone, alone. He's got friends, and they shoot womp rats and Bigger's Canyon and all of that. Right, um, she's he does. alone. Do we ever see him? <laughs> no, but she's she's alone in the desert. And and it's interesting because Luke has a lot to learn. He has raw skills, but has a lot to learn. Um, and he wants to get out of there. And Ray, Ray is waiting. So she's staying there and she does the opposite. She's got a lot of skills. She's improving herself by surviving and navigating her world while she waits. And that I, I find that kind of interesting, along with just the nerdy kind of art direction stuff about how uh, Jakku, although it is not Tatooine, has so many of those very th- things that just feel like Star Wars because it's these funny like... I don't even know what to call them, little antenna pillar kind of things out in the desert and garbage and sun setting and things and little speedery things where it just, it feels like Star Wars um, and that that's the world she lives in. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a, she's a, it's a, that's a great, uh, she's a great hero character. um, And I like the fact that she's also still learning. Um, You know, she, she doesn't, 
flip on the Millennium Falcon and take it out, right? <laughs> she kind of smashes it into a few things on the way out. And there's a really nice moment that I think says a lot about these new characters, about Finn and Rey, that um, when they're in the Millennium Falcon for the first time, they both have that quiet moment separately when he's in the gunning pod and she's in the pilot seat of like, okay, I can do this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is a wonderful m- moment about these new characters trying to talk themselves into this uh, being, you know, being the hero of their story here. Because neither of them had ever done the thing that they're doing before, right? Well, I mean, if you discount like the TIE fighter scenario that that Finn was like, but when Finn sat down in the TIE fighter, he'd never operated something like no. that before. Um, no, he was in sanitation and just got promoted to be a to be a, a, a in infantry, which is basically, you know, I think I think that's the Empire or the First Order's cannon fodder. So he was not a high ranking anything. He had been, this was his first combat that he had seen. Before that, he was working in the trash compactors. So this asks one of the first questions that I have. I mean, Rey is obviously as great at everything that she is because of the fact that the force flows through her, right? She is incredibly strong and, and is powerful and, and her right. pow- her control of the force is clearly unlike anything that we've seen in the movies before because she is able to use the force without any training from anyone. Luke right. couldn't do that. Um, so there is there is a great power there that we're going to see later on. I imagine when when they say there has been an awakening, when that when that line comes out and and this movie is called The Force Awakens, it seems to me that perhaps this is all about Rey, that yes. she has her force power has awakened and it is the start of a new era where previously it was only sort of uh, the people that Luke had trained and something bad happened there and, and Han and Leia's son went off on, and to, and explored the dark side. But but Rey's force awakening is this the beginning of this story. But my question around Finn is, does he have any of the force in him? Because he does some interesting things in this movie like the idea that he can just he just feels it in him to be an incredible fighter fighter and a pilot right like not like he doesn't fly but he is great at operating a gun yeah and he'd never done it before he can wield a lightsaber and he'd never done it before and he does a relatively good job of it and i just wonder like will they both to certain extents have some of the force in them i don't know but i think that that's an interesting thing to explore yeah, um, in I kinda, between I, now and the next one. I kind of hope not, only because not everybody can be a Jedi. Um, although, and I kind of like the idea of him being, his special power is that he is, uh, he's a decent person. He's the, he's the stormtrooper who refused to be a stormtrooper. And how special is that? Now, maybe there's a reason behind it. And maybe it's his connection with the Force or or fate or whatever that led him down this path but um but it doesn't need to be because you could say he is the one in a million or one in a hundred thousand stormtrooper who absolutely refuses his training and his conditioning there's the implication that they're almost brainwashed too Um, and he was raised in this first order dynamic so we're talking about this pretty serious uh just uh propaganda and and brainwashing happening here and he refuses he refuses to shoot in the village and he runs away at his first opportunity and takes the pilot with him, you know, and, and gets out of, 
and gets out of uh, the First Order and wants to run. Then he wants to run as far away as possible, which is the tension that he has with the other characters, is that he isn't interested in this adventure that they're on. Uh, you know, and Ray is on it kind of reluctantly because she wants to get back to, to her home um, because she's waiting for something unspecified. And uh, but Finn just wants to run. Uh, still, he's remarkable because he is the he is the stormtrooper who refused. And that that I think is uh, I think that's really interesting about his character, regardless if he's got the force in him or not. One of the reasons that made me think that he may uh, is because there is a big franchise to be built here and there are limited Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> they need yeah. more Jedi, so let's have another Jedi. It's po- it's possible. I love that he wields the lightsaber because I think in the original trilogy, especially, there was this idea that like it's only the special people who get to wield the lightsabers. And and with uh with him, he's like, man, I the, the button's right here, right? I can yeah. do this. So the even if turn he's, it on, it's a button. and he's not in, and he's not incompetent with it. He's untrained, but he's you know or or lightly trained. Uh, uh, Serenity had a good point on the incomparable episode about how we see uh, Ray with her stick that she fights with. Yeah. Um, that that her she's got this kind of martial art stick fighting thing that she does, and her her use of the lightsaber is informed by that style of fighting. Yeah, I totally. And that's a really nice touch that yeah. she didn't fight like anybody else has with the lightsaber. Like, right. she was operating it in a different way, kind of like up, holding it up down, as opposed to down facing up, and she was like prodding it like a poking right and it was a very different yeah. way of fighting um right which but was, it comes yeah. from her having that stick that exactly whole time which too, is genius really nice. it's genius that they they set it up by giving and, her that weapon and i think the impression you get with finn is that he's trained on what that other stormtrooper is trained with which is that sort of like stun gun stick thing that he that he fights that stormtrooper with yep um, and then takes from him, and that that's his method of fighting with the lightsaber, which is kind of more brutal and stormtrooper-like. Uh, nice touches that are not necessarily obvious on first viewing for everybody, but are definitely there and and interesting. I mean, one of the things um, that I like about this movie is that these characters are there aren't they aren't direct analogs. These characters are all remixed into they they are fil- fulfilling. They seem to be fulfilling roles in the Star Wars universe that are familiar roles from the original movies, but they're not in the slots. They're all kind of mixed up. So, so Ray is is sort of like Luke, but like we've said, sort of not like Luke in that you know. And she's uh, Finn, especially. You know, he is. What is he? Is he like Luke? Is he like Han? Not really. Poe Dameron is kind of Han like, but but not not a scoundrel. Like Poe and Finn kind of share Han as like their sensibilities a little bit. Um, yeah, he's got the uh, Poe's got the 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 roguish part, but he's also kind of uh, uh, gung ho like uh, like uh, Luke. He's like, "Yay, we're gonna fly!" And I'm I'm a great pilot. Uh, Finn is. Um, it wants to run away and just get out of here, which is very much like Han. But like, but like Han Solo in this movie is kind of Obi Wan. <laughs> I mean, by the end, he is Obi Wan essentially. But Luke is also kind of Obi Wan in this movie. Um, it, it's just like they are all not exactly analogs of the characters, and that's good because they're their own people. As John said on that incomparable episode, you know. Ray is a person called Ray. Finn is a person called Finn. They are not Luke analogs and Han analogs and Leia analogs. That's not who they are. They're they're kind of mixed up 
uh, in their roles, and that's great because that's how it, that's how it should work. Is they have they the, their paths will be different because their histories are different and their their attributes are different. Um, but it's exciting to, to to that these characters do seem well defined. That they're, they're not um, their actions make sense. And and uh, yeah, again, without throwing the prequels under the bus, I felt much better about these characters. And in the prequels, I felt like even the characters that had potential to be great uh, were squandered. Like. Um, I, uh, Padme is the best example of that where that's a great actress and a character who had a lot going for her and by the end of the series she's just completely wasted and uh, uh, and yeah so the, here these these characters all seemed fully formed to me and yeah they're, they're iconic and, and larger than life and all of those things because that's what Star Wars is but, uh, but they felt like real people but I am conflicted between the light and the dark Jason Oh, are you now? Because I think my favorite of all the characters is Kylo Ren. Mm, and this was something that it took a few days for this to settle in with me because I just couldn't stop thinking about this character. There are so many little things about him that make him so interesting to me. Like the idea that he doesn't need the mask and he uses it as an intimidation thing. And he's he got it, as John, John said on that incomparable episode, he just got it off of VaderFan.com. Yeah. <laughs> he's like I, like, I need a mask too, like Darth Vader. And he doesn't need it, but he does it to... to be, uh, and there's that shot of like the Knights of Ren that's in that vision shot where it's like, it, that. this seems to be like they're almost like cult kind of force cult thing where they've got masks and dark robes and things. But yeah, he doesn't he doesn't need it. He just does, He just wears it because it's cool and because his grandfather was Darth Vader, who he thinks also fascinating. He he says, I want to finish what you started. I'm not sure he knows that Darth Vader no. repented at the end. I don't think anybody knows. Uh, me and Stephen were talking about this. Like, nobody knows oh, that part of the story. Right. Just Did Luke. we ever see Luke tell anybody anything? No. Luke, Luke saw it, and then Luke saw the Force ghosts at the end of Return of the Jedi, yep. and that's it. So it may be that did, did Luke not share that with his pupils? Did Luke you know, not want to talk about Darth Vader? Let, let's just not talk about Darth Vader. And you know, with kids, if you don't talk about the subject, they're going to learn it on the street. They're, gonna, they're all talking about Darth Vader out on the street. Uh, but he's become a Vader fetishist, basically, which yep. is, I think it's a fascinating take of like, he, the seduction to the dark side has a family aspect. Your grandfather was Darth Vader, and you've got this guy, whoever Snoke really is, because I'm skeptical about that 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 character is not, that there isn't a, a much more of a story there, but you've got somebody whispering in your ear and you've got this curiosity about your grandfather and, and your uncle doesn't, who's training you doesn't want to talk about it. And you, you know, he's become obsessed with it, but also, um, he's a brat. He's a whiny kid who, um, who wants things the way he wants them and is, uh, and I love that about him too. I love that Darth Vader, his, his, uh, his icon, right. Was so, you know, controlled in his rage mm -hmm. right like in the first star wars movie where he's choking people right but it's like i find your lack of faith disturbing i'm going to choke you now with my hand right from across the room uh and there's a beautiful callback to that in this movie where there's the guy who brings him the bad news and you you totally are expecting him to just get murdered by kylo ren and instead, he turns around and smashes up the uh, it just smashes, smashes up all the equipment, <laughs> and then pulls him across the room with the force, and lets him go. It's like, what? Well, this is a different guy, and it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, he is a different guy. He's no Darth Vader. He's a kid, and he's a he's a big baby, and he has rage problems, and he's not under control, and that's scary on one level, but it's also kind of 
intriguing on another level that he is he does not have it together and we see it we see him say it we see him say it to his father um before he kills his father it's yeah, it's a it's a really interesting character, and I, I sometimes I think that that, that that's going to be a fascinating story in this trilogy of movies. I argued in on the incomparable that I feel like there is some possible redemption for him, and everybody else is like, nope, nope, he killed Han Solo. There's no redemption for him. I'm like, I think I don't know. I think that's the that's what makes the story interesting is you've got the rise of you've got the rise of Rey, and you've got the rise of Kylo Ren as dark and light avatars, and that's interesting. But also they're connected. And he and he has the temptation of the light side of the force, and that is really interesting to me. That he, yeah. he, you know, can he be redeemed? He is Han and Leia's son. At what point is he irredeemable? And you know, maybe it ends all with him sacrificing himself nobly, which is sort of what Darth Vader did, right? Uh, at the last minute, it's that deathbed confession kind of thing. But you know, Darth Vader took out the Emperor. That was his thing, where he finally turned. Uh, Back, away from the dark side again fascinating seasoning there so yeah i agree with you this is a really uh cool character and i like Ad- adam driver i heard somebody complain that he's like a whiny jedi and it's like eh, a whiny is not what i would say he he doesn't strike me as being like anakin in the prequels he is he is a he is a a, a big baby this is true <laughs> but uh he looks weird and I understood why he was behaving the way he 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 was, even though I didn't, you know, approve of it. And what I also really like is that he now probably needs his mask, right? Because Ray leaves him with a well, he doesn't lightsaber still, wound to the face. He still doesn't need it, but yes, he is scarred now. Yeah. Oh, that may that may leave some damage that we haven't seen yet. Right. right, we don't know. I mean, we she, he, he's left there, kind of scrabbling away, and uh, the the guy, the 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 general, is told to go get him and bring yeah. him back to. Snoke I like and that he's going more it. Vader, right? Like he's going more yeah. Vader, right? Because he's, he's on the he's on the path. He's embraced that now by killing his his father. Yeah, and so that's why I think that maybe like because again, I think about somebody. I wanted her as, to chop off his hand, and I I felt yeah. like even J.J. Abrams thought that was too on the nose. I was waiting for it. I was like, <laughs> who's going to lose their hand in this battle? Which one of them? And I like that he didn't do that right wait for it next movie maybe next movie because so uh, would i be right in thinking like this is the only star wars movie where someone hasn't lost their hand like i think that's true <laughs> no i am your cousin <laughs> <laughs> oh, <not my> hand. <laughs> um let's talk about the family aspect very quickly uh yeah. do you think ray is luke's daughter yeah you think I mean that? that's the I think that's the obvious setup. Although there's a lot of explanation that needs to go on there. Why was she left behind? What's the complicated story there? Maybe maybe she's not. I I think I think that's what the movie kind of wants us to to feel is that this when she meets Luke, it's not just um it's not just the the great Jedi hope meeting Luke Skywalker for the first time, but that they have a they have a connection. But you know, it's possible that she's that she's not. I I have a hard time with her family history being so mysterious um that it isn't something other than, oh yeah, well I had a family, but then they left. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, 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 feel I don't like- know. I mean I totally understand all of that. I just I just personally just don't think that's the case. I just think there's more Jedi we don't know about. Like that that's how I look at it. And it's like it's setting up this is like the start of the next 30 years because this is going to star wars is just a thing now like like marvel is yeah i i think that um but my gut feeling would be that she is 
she is related and that she is Luke's daughter and that the story is going to be who was her mother and what 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 happened and why was she taken away and why was she hidden away on Jakku and uh but we'll we'll find out that's one of the great loose loose threads regardless it, it you know we're going to see uh her trained by Luke in some way, which kind of excites me that I, I feel like the, you know, Empire Strikes Back, one of the things about it was that it was about Yoda training Luke. And I feel like, because also Snoke's last line is, um, tell, tell, uh, uh, tell uh, Ren that, to Kylo Ren that he needs to return here to complete his training. We're setting up a second film where the dark and light Jedi are receiving their training. And it's just going to be a two hour long montage. Could be. Oh, Mike, can you imagine that? That would be so beautiful. <laughs> it's a training montage, the motion picture. <sighs> so how do you feel about the fact that Star Wars is just here now? Is Star Wars going to become less special over time? Uh, yes. I, 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 it is going to become less special because it, of the familiarity with it. The superhero, when, when the Spider-Man movie came out in 2001, no, 2002, I was so excited because Spider-Man was my favorite superhero. And now, you know, these superhero movies are all around us. And I think it's great. I really like the Marvel movies. Uh, my family just watched Ant-Man this weekend. I, I had already seen it, but they hadn't seen it. And, and everybody liked it. It's a good movie. Um, but uh, it, it's not special, right? It's not special like it used to be, but it can still be great. And 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 fun and i i think star wars has this potential to be like that and i read a story over the weekend that I, that was uh poorly written in the sense that it said something about how star wars will now be like the marvel movies where everything is kind of interlinked it's like no that's actually not true it is it is a shared universe for for telling stories but what they're what they're not trying to do is have all the movies take place sync in, in sync with one another star wars has this rich history that the Marvel movies, you know, they pushed everything into the present other than like, you know, Ant-Man basically has Michael Douglas was Ant-Man 20 years ago or something. But mostly it's it's in the present. Star Wars has this whole history. So the next Star Wars movie, which will be out in a year, is one of these movies they're calling the anthology movies, which are set in other parts of the Star Wars universe. So that that's the movie about stealing the plans for the Death Star that leads into the original Star Wars film. And that's fun because they like the art direction can can be quoting the old Star Wars movies and stuff, which could be a lot of fun. Um, and then separately, they're doing what they're calling the saga movies, which are episode seven, eight, nine, and then who knows where they'll go after that. But that's telling a kind of a continuing, the the mainline continuing story. So it's going to be less special. But it's not going to be quite like the Marvel movies are, and I think that's good. I, I think that that's kind of a I like to see that restraint that they're they're um they've got a main storyline that will be in successive movies. They don't have the confusion of all the kind of crossover stuff happening. And they've got other stories that they want to tell that are, they feel are good stories and good movies in their own right set in the star Wars universe, which quite frankly, what took them so long? It's such a great idea. This, um, I saw somebody talking about that, about star Trek too. And I think, I think it's worth asking about any of these things is, do you need a core set of characters that you tell stories about every year or two? Um, and that's all you do with, and that's your franchise, or are you better off taking, if you've built a rich world, taking different views into it? And Star Wars is, uh, is this rich world that people know kind of like, you know, cause it's been in the culture for so long. So I would say the long 
the short version of this long version is I think it's less special, but there, but it could be way better because we have more of it. Because it, it, you know, if you didn't like the prequels, it has been a long time since there's been good Star Wars in the movie theater. Yeah, we could end up in a better scenario. We probably will because over time, the overall quality of Star Wars movies is going to increase because I, there will be I more so. of them, right? So just by percentages, because currently, you know, we've just passed the fifty percent. <laughs> level of good yeah. Star Wars movies. There's now yeah. there's now slightly over half of the Star Wars movies that have ever been made are good. <laughs> right? We're now past that, which is yeah. great. But Turn over the time there. there's going to be more there's going to be some bad ones, but there's going to be a lot of good ones because they're going to have it's going to continue for many years to have all of the best of the best want to work on this franchise. Like the same that we have with Marvel, right? There are very few bad Marvel movies. Um I mean, I don't think there are any bad ones. There are just varying levels of good, in my opinion, yeah, of, of what's I been agree. made. Um, and well, the, oh, the worst, right. maybe the th- Thor, two. Thor 2, it's not actually that bad. <laughs> it's not, it's not just the worst of all of those it's, movies. It's not. Well, I, 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 it's, not I don't, I don't, it's not atrocious, like but it's not good. I don't like that movie. But it's okay. It's it's fine. It wasn't for me. So it's, um, I think that's what we're going to see with Star Wars. And I think, I think people, when they say it's going to be like Marvel, they get confused what they're trying to say. Like, we're not going to have a connected universe, but there is going to be a Star Wars universe where things yes. occur in. Like, that's what's going to happen. But they're not all happening at the same time, which is, as exactly. you said, is what we have with Marvel. But this is about to become a rich universe, which is why I assume is one of the reasons why that they decided to say that, like, the expanded universe is not canon. Exactly, because now they now they have the ability to kind of paint their own universe, like to stitch their own tapestry. Disney is now and Lucasfilm is in the Star Wars business for real. Like this, they, there is a there is a machine that is up and running that is determining stories for Star Wars for on film and TV, um, and I think that's great. I, I I think that's actually pretty awesome that they 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 are doing that. But you need to give them the latitude to decide like what are the story decisions that they want to make. And uh, I think it's great. I yeah I think uh, it, it will be. I love the fact that these uh, anthology movies don't have to. Uh, they can stand on their own and be their own thing and tell their own stories and be judged and uh, as good or bad movies without having it be connected to the overall Star Wars uh, ongoing story. I think that's really, uh, I think that's a good thing and that's a nice twist on what they're doing with Marvel. I think it's actually a a lower degree of difficulty in some ways and with a chance of a better product because, you know, Marvel, it's a tough trick because they've compressed everything and it's all happening simultaneously and I think that's kind of hard. In fact, I think Guardians of the Galaxy benefits from being so far out into space that they didn't have to worry about it. And, uh, and, you know, Star Wars gets to do that, gets to say, well, this, this happened a long time ago and not just in a galaxy far, far away, but like 20 years further back than that. And, uh, that's, that's, I think it'll be good. I'm excited by it. I, I'm actually curious if they are, since I mentioned TV shows, if they would consider doing something like that too. Yeah, probably. Do we, do we, uh, right. Because Marvel has done that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been successful enough. And, uh, Agent Carter has been successful enough. And then the Netflix shows have been very successful. Yes. I forget about those. Of course. Yes. Oh, they'll definitely do it. I mean, I'm sure Netflix is already like writing the huge checks. <laughs> yeah. Like how big yeah, does this right. check need to be? Disney? Give us yep. Star Wars. Give we us a Star Wars one. TV show. Yep. Most likely. I mean, because again, the thing with the Marvel universe is the Marvel universe is written. And that's, a, I think that's a problem for Disney is 
they can't really do anything that doesn't already exist. Right? It's it's I think it's gonna be a long time, if ever, before we see a Marvel movie created where the person like where the character doesn't already exist in Marvel comics. But with Star Wars, Disney have an open book to write whoever they want because it is a world where they can create everything. Because the 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 main story, the story people care about, has already been told. So it's like the Rogue One, right? The Rogue One movie. Yeah. We don't know any of these characters. They've never existed to us before. No, exactly right. But they're but they're in that world and they're they're telling a, a story in that world. Exactly. Because the thing is, like the world of Marvel movies is America. Right? Like that's the world that you can't tell you can't create new things in that world. You exactly. just create new people. But right. with Star Wars, the character is actually the world, like the the, the place that they the, are in. That's the a galaxy, the galaxy, a galaxy of people and aliens and planets to explore and tell stories. In fact, I think that it's great that Rogue One is the first of these uh, non-saga yeah. Star Wars movies that's coming out. I'm more troubled by the fact that they seem to be creating a lot of like Boba Fett movie and young Han Solo movie and all that. And those might be good movies, I but it's fine. But I would like to see them not just be let's explore characters we already know. I would like yeah. I would like there to be some some like Rogue One that it's like in the Star Wars world and it's something we understand, but it's just a good story. I think though and, with with all the movies you know about, you're at like fifty fifty because like seven, eight, and nine is characters you don't know m- majorly. That's true. And then we've got Rogue One, which we don't know, and then there's going to be like. Boba Fett and Han, which and I think it's good for that though, because those characters we only know what we've seen. I think it might be nice to go back and see a little bit more about them, like especially Boba Fett. Like, what an incredible movie and even series of movies you could make about the things that guy does, right? Which are <laughs> completely out of everything, like to do with with what happens in the original trilogy. Like, just what does he do? Like, how does he go around the galaxy? collecting bounties like i'm i'm interested in seeing what those sort of movies look like as well as then after they're established just seeing like bob space you know that's just a name i've disney can take the name if they want yeah and just like you know person in that world who does things kind of like this like give me a jedi movie for a jedi i've never seen before Mm. i just want to see what that looks like like a singular guy or girl trying to make it on their own in the world like they are a jedi or like they've been trained they are like a full-on jedi and they're just going out and doing jedi stuff like what were all of those jedis doing in the prequels when they all got murdered what film was that was that two or three where everyone got killed like opera like what, what, what was uh, it called? three what was the uh what did they call some it? number i don't even know operation something something don't make me think about it protocol something anyway whatever what were they all doing like i want to know what they were doing yeah, although some of that I think is in um, uh, Star Wars Rebels. Have you seen Star Wars Rebels? No, it's good. It's a, a computer animated uh, TV series that's um, set between Episode Three and Episode Four. Yep, it's very good. It's actually a lot of fun. Okay, it's got it's a uh, and uh, one of the one of the Dan Morin in the chat room Order sixty six. Thank you. One of the characters is a Jedi. And you're, you're asking yourself, like, well, how could there be a Jedi when they killed all the Jedi? And it's like he was an apprentice and his master was killed, but he survived. And it's like, they're not, it's not, I, I actually think that there's more to mine there, but they do some of that in, in, in Rebels. This idea that, that 
they didn't get all the Jedi. There are still Jedi out there. What were they doing? How did they survive? What, what did they were they able to do some good while hiding their identity uh, from the Empire as the Empire was ascendant? Sure, there's a story there probably, but some, but there is a little of that in Kanan's story in uh, in Star Wars Rebels, which is a good one. I have one last question for you, and we'll wrap this up. Do you know yeah. why the Disney logo thing is not shown before this movie? Like, I just got Lucasfilm Limited. Yeah, me too. Um, I think they decided that uh, it was, that was like a branding decision. I think they maybe decided that the 20th Century Fox fanfare thing was so iconic that replacing it with the Disney thing was uh, going to be weird. And and maybe like Lucas Lucasfilm and Star Wars is all you need. After your 30 minutes of trailers. <laughs> yeah. So they're continuing to operate Lucasfilm as a wholly owned subsidiary. Yeah, like Pixar. Right. Um, and, and, uh, but I think, I feel like uh, they, for, they made a decision. I think it's a great decision. They made the decision not to stick the When You Wish Upon a Star in front of it and just have it be sort of silent Lucasfilm and Star Wars. And, you know, I think that was a great call. Um We'll see. We'll see whether it continues in that way, or if they they will eventually stick the the Disney. I was hoping John Williams would do a, uh, a Disney fanfare that was sort of in the style of the 20th Century Fox fanfare, yeah, <laughs> and uh, compose that and pop that on the beginning of it. But uh, you know, I thought this was good. I, I was glad not to not to see the Disney logo there. We don't need to see it. It's the Lucasfilm and Star Wars. That's the branding. Yeah, it's weird. Like um, I recently bought the Star Wars movies from iTunes. They don't have it in them. They don't have the fanfare, like episodes four, five, and six. And that was really weird. Like, it was weird enough seeing it here, but it wasn't something, you know, it was fine. Like, it wasn't because I wasn't used to it. But seeing those now and there's no fanfare on them, it's like, oh, okay, that's strange. Yeah. But there we go. So that's The Force Awakens. Double thumbs up from me. I can't wait to see it again this week. Um, I'm very excited. I saw it in 2D, so I'm going to be seeing it in 3D IMAX right. just to see what that experience is sure. like. There's a great shot where there's a, a, a Star Destroyer kind of sticking out of the screen. That's the, that's the best thing that's in the movie in 3D, but that one is pretty funny. Yeah, your daughter kicking it. She kicked it, yeah. It's funny. I like that. Um, so that's it for this week's episode. If you want to uh, go to our show notes, find links and stuff, you can feel free to do that. We're over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 68. You'll also find some buttons there. If you want to help support the show, you can do that and sign up for a Relay FM membership. If you want to find us online, you can find Jason at sixcolors.com and he is at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Upgradies. So strap Woo. in. That's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, thanks again to our sponsors this week, uh, Smile with Text Expander, Hover, and also the great people over at Braintree for helping support this week's episode. Um, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you out there, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. May the force be with you, Mike Hurley. And with you. Live long and prosper. Something like that. <laughs>